Good morning and welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ. And today we'll be in Genesis chapter 4. If you can hop over that way. My name is Drew Mines and my wife and I here lead the Blue Ridge Church um, for the uh, almost five years now. And so, uh, does it seem like forever? So it's been five years. If something seems like forever, then it's probably not a good thing. But if it flew by, that's usually a good thing. But uh, we love it here. And one of my favorite things about today is today is a day of days. Today is Cain and Abel Day. I've been looking forward to this day for a while. So one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible is what we're going to look at today. Uh, One of my favorite novels is based on this passage by John Steinbeck. And uh, this story to me, it rings with more truth. I was so excited this morning. I told Jenny, I said, I'm so excited. I haven't, I haven't been this excited to preach about a certain topic in a long time. It's all these things I want to say. She goes, just remember to be within 30 minutes. <laughs> so she really stoked my passion. She really said, Drew, you go for it. You say what you got to know. She said, Drew, no matter what you got to say, it's the end of the day, you know, it's not that important. Um, because if all I could do, I say that because she knows that I can put a little too much stress on myself and make it about what I'm saying instead of what God is saying. So that's what I meant by that. And, uh, so without further ado, let's go to Genesis four. If you're not already there, hop over. It's right after Genesis three and Genesis one through 11 is all about creation And all about God's good work, all about what God's doing to bring order to chaos. But it doesn't go that way, like we shared already and some of uh, what the folks have come up and shared about in life is that despite our best efforts at order, chaos ensues. And so usually it ends up, what happens is more of a spiral downward. Uh, And so God's intention is to bring about good. But what we see in the book of Genesis is actually mankind bring, bring about new ways to sin, new ways to commit evil over and over again. Um, and I want to talk today about something called something choice. I want to talk about choice, about decision making. Uh, to be chosen is a really special thing. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. As a kid, I did not like Valentine's Day. Um, I was a pretty insecure kid. I was, uh, uh, you know, kind of pudgy, kind of, kind of a little chubby kid. Um, and uh, Valentine's Day, I was really insecure. And you know how, I don't know if they still do this, but used to pass out Valentine's to all the classmates and, uh, you know, and you get the, you, but see, you got the obligatory Valentine's. I was not interested in the obligatory Valentine from my classmates. Every now and then you got an extra special sort of something from someone. And I really, I never got one. I was in fourth grade uh, and I never got sort of a special just for you Valentine from somebody. And Valentine's Day was always just sort of a, a sad reminder of that, you know, I was like, oh man, I, I blew it. I'm fourth grade, my life's over, you know, I, I peaked, and, um, but one year, one year, this, this sort of special moment happened where I was sort of chosen, and my, um, I was a part of, I was a, an anchor on the Banyan Elementary News, um, and my, my co-anchor, uh, I have the videos if you want to see it, but my co-anchor was Katie Anderson, we're both fourth graders, and we did the news together. Um, we had this great sort of, you know, chemistry, you know, really professional, things like that. I like the way her career was heading. And she's walking over to me 
It's amazing how you remember these things. I have no idea if it's accurate, but she's wearing this red sweater. She's walking over to me on Valentine's Day, and I was like, wow, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the, the special Valentine that she'll give me. And, and it was. She gave me a Valentine. It was special. It was, it was, and she already had given me one. This was an extra one. And I was like, wow, Katie Anderson. I didn't think I was doing that well. You know, like, all right, here we go. Relationships in the workplace, you got to be aware. No, I don't know. But, um, but I get home, and, I'm, and this is a different Valentine's Day than I've ever had before. I'm excited about this one. Go home, and I unwrap the Valentine, open it, and it says, call 911 because you are a fashion emergency. Uh, isn't, that, isn't that rough? From Katie Anderson. We, we had a rapport. Um, but even in that moment, even though it turned out to be sort of discouraging for me, even in that moment uh, of being chosen, there was something special about, for all of us, and, we, and we've been being chosen. And there's something special, I think, about friendship. You know, we can't really choose our families. They're, they're kind of given to us. But we can choose our friends. And when you're, when you're chosen by somebody, it really means something. And we're very particular about our friends nowadays. I think a lot of times, for some of that's for good reason, but sometimes it takes five to eight years of dinner parties and texting and hanging out before we really start to let people in. Yeah. But when we let people in, we're kind of choosing them. We're kind of accepting them. And if people mess up or if they're angry or if they don't like the same things we like, we, we don't let them in. We, don't, we, don't, we do not choose them to be our friends. And we all, this is a very natural way to kind of go about life, but we've all felt acceptance at some point. We've all felt rejection at some point. And rejection can be a powerful opposite emotion as acceptance. And this passage about Cain and Abel is really about decision. It's about acceptance. It's about rejection. And here in Genesis 4, before we start, we've got to go back a few verses if you've missed it. This is the curse given after Adam and Eve fail. God says, I will put hostility between you and the woman. This is the serpent and the woman. Between your offspring and her offspring. Her offspring will attack your head and you will attack her offspring's heel. Well, what does that mean? It means that God's plan to work through mankind to have a good people, a people who do good, not evil, is going to come through the woman, through Eve. That was the whole plan. But the serpent got in there and he deceived, he tempted, he lied, he told half-truths. And he got mankind to go a different way, the serpent's offspring. So it's really just two types of people, those who do good and those who do evil. The entire book of Genesis is about this very thing. Those who do good and those who do evil, and and they wrestle with that. The problem with us today, and our struggle is that I think, for me, I think we can kind of label as, well, I'm just not a good person. I'm on the evil camp. I'm not good. I used to read the story of Cain and Abel and think, man, I'm Cain. I'm the evil one. I've I've, I've heard some some young people say this recently. Well, I just can't really become a disciple. I'm not a good good kid. I'm not a good person. We can kind of think that. We can think that even past our teenage years. I'm just not, I'm not good. But, but Cain and Abel deals with this inner struggle, this inner turmoil of who really is good, who really is evil, and the battle within. And so as we read here in uh, chapter four, we're going to see the serpent versus the woman. The offspring of Satan, the serpent versus the offspring of woman, and how God's going to work in there. And, but without further ado, let's read this story. Genesis 4.1. Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. 
In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, and some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops to you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer a vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city. He named it after his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Erod, and Erod was the father of Mahujael, and Mahujael was the father of Methushael, and Methushael was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Adad and the other Zillah. Adad gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jabal. He was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain's sister was Nama. Now you're probably going, this is the part where you start to tune out, right? All these people, his names, I don't know what he's talking about. But if you've been counting, as I know probably none of you were, if you've been counting, that's six. Seventh generation. The number seven is very important in the book of Genesis. So the number seven, the seventh generation, the seventh person is this guy in verse 23, Lamech. And so the author spends a special time to kind of dedicate to Lamech. There's something different about him. Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zilhah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Adam made love to his wife again. She gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son and he named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. We're going to unpack all of that. It's going to be awesome uh, at the risk of setting myself up for uh, setting you up for too high of expectations. Uh, I have no doubt that it, it's just the more you see, the more you're going to be flat, flat out amazed at what God's doing in this passage. It's, uh, it's beautiful. It's balanced. It's incredible. It's convicting in eight different ways that we don't have time for all of them. If you'd like the other seven, uh, come get coffee with me. Um, the number seven again is important. We've talked about it in Genesis already in Genesis 1 and 2. The number seven pops up again. The author uses it. The number seven is the number of completion and perfection to a Hebrew. We get uh, Abel's name in this story seven times. 
We get Cain's name in this story seven times. And just so we're reminded of the relationship between those two and the devastation of the sin, how awful it is to kill this particular person, we get the word brother seven times. Also, the very last thing it says is that at that time, God, people began to call on the name of the Lord. This is the 70th time it's used up to this point. This is the big turning point. This is the big moment. They're trying to say something about people beginning to call on the name of the Lord. So the number seven is also very important here. And I think really to help us see what, what the author is trying to help us see about this passage and about the sin that Cain commits. Okay. Title of my lesson today is Decisions, Decisions. Decisions, decisions. First point of my lesson is decide to decide. So there's something interesting happening here. Cain and Abel. I love fraternal themes. I have a brother, one of my best friends in the world. He was the best man in my wedding. Um, our childhood was fraught with strife. We, um, every game turned into eventually wrestling and then him screaming and then me going, stop, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, before mom came in. Because you know who got the brunt of the punishment? No matter what he did, I was spanked because I was a bad example. I was, no matter what he did, if, if I was implicated in some way, if I was a witness, I was punished for being a bad example. So I knew it. If he goes down, and he knew it too, which was scarier, I think. I'm taking you with me. Um, and he often did. But we have a great friendship. I love uh, most movies that have some kind of, that have brothers, um, uh, a relationship with brothers. I mean, it always, it gets me to like feel more emotional than usual, which is a big deal. And uh, even to the point where I almost cry at some point during movies, but um, I'm getting there. But the brother theme, I read into it and I see what's going on here with Cain and Abel. And you probably saw it too. One of the things about Cain here is he is set up for success. He's the first mentioned. He's the first born. Abel's kind of mentioned as an afterthought. Oh, Abel was also born right there in, uh, in verse two. Later, Abel was also born. But Cain's the firstborn. He gets all the inheritance because of primogenitor, the way it worked back then. He was the eldest. Uh, he's also, you can begin to think, well, why is his sacrifice not accepted? Maybe God um, just doesn't, you know, like uh, vegetarians. I don't know. Maybe God prefers meat. Uh, what is it about this? But it can't be that. Cain is actually given his father's job. Cain has his old man's profession, which is to till the soil. Cain is a man after Adam's own heart. He's first born. He's set up for success. Even Eve is bursting into this sort of like, God made a man and so did I. Here he is, Cain. He will be the man that I want him to be. He will be good. He will bring out, he will, right? Perhaps with favoritism, we don't know. But it definitely seems like Abel doesn't even have like a, a line in this play. <laughs> Abel's a silent actor, as it were. Cain's given the forefront. So Cain, here he is, and they bring their offerings. And you can, I mean, it was pretty common to bring your offering at the end of the week or month to the Lord. And you can even kind of imagine it. But here's the thing. They both brought offerings. It's not like Cain was like, I hate God and I'm an atheist. Cain didn't do that. Cain brought an offering. They're both at church. It's a difference in the offering. There's a difference in the sacrifice. And the reality is, though, some of us this morning are in that boat. We can think, oh, I'm at church. But just because you're here, we got to take it. We got to ask ourselves, am I, am I Cain, though? What is it about my sacrifice? What is it about Cain's sacrifice that displeased the Lord? Why is it? Was it not good enough? Was it 
not what God liked? Was it not God's preference? Did God just choose to like humble him by trying to teach him a lesson? Like what is God trying to do here? Uh, And then Cain is struggling. It says he's angry and downcast, which is two words. One's depressed, one's angry. Usually when we're depressed, we can be angry. When we're angry, we can also be depressed. They kind of work together. And it says that Cain was downcast. And then the Lord intervenes, doesn't he? He comes up and he starts talking to him. And God says, what's going on? Why are you down? If you did good, will you not be lifted up? Will your face not be lifted up? Will you not be happy? Your face wouldn't be downcast if you did good. And then he he says this beautiful, incredibly problematic Hebrew sentence that people spend all their time trying to figure out what it means. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. It's it's, it's this incredible word. Um, uh, Well, first of all, sin is crouching at your door. He gives it this animal kind of um, personifies it in an animal. And which animal have we just seen, right? We've seen this guy. Um, It's a picture of a serpent. It's a serpent crouching at your door. It's waiting. He's waiting for you. He desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Um, Different versions say you shall rule over it. You must rule over it. You might rule over it. It's a vague Hebrew word. We don't know which one it is. We do know one thing. That Cain has a choice. It's not you won't rule over it. It's not you will rule over it. God's saying, God sees the possibility. It's like if you're on top of a building and you see a car, like two cars about to collide. You, it hasn't happened yet, but you can see if nothing changes, something horrible is going to happen. You have the perspective to do that. And God has the perspective to say, hey, Cain, if you don't listen to me, sin's going to get you. He's crouching. He's ready to pounce. And you, and I love that God says, you might rule over it. But aren't you God? Don't you know? But I love God says, you might. Let's see. You may. The beauty of the relationship here is God loves them enough to set them up in paradise, these people, but to give them free will. To hope. You know, Acts 17 has um, has a great passage about God sets us up within the boundaries of our habitation, hoping that we reach out for him and find him. God hopes that you reach out for him and find him. There's a relationship. There's a free will. And so Cain has a choice. What's he going to do? What's he going to go after? Um, and he does something that you, we, we all know the story. Um, but he says, Abel, let's go out into the field. Um, why, would he, why would Cain do that? Go out into the field. No witnesses. No one will know. So we begin to see all the struggles with Cain's decision making. And all the things that he goes through. And it's not so dissimilar to what you and I go through every day. The same excuses, the same loopholes, the same half-truths, the same guilt, the shame, uh, you know, that Satan attacks us with. Okay. And so Cain has a choice. And so that, that, that blows up the first excuse. When we struggle, what's an excuse that Satan tells us? I have no choice. I'm too far in. I'm too far gone. The lie's gone too far. I've, I have to keep lying. I have to keep. It's the relationship with the girls. Too, I'm too far in. I'm too far gone. I've sinned too much. I can't go back now. I can't. If they knew. Right? But God, even God is saying, no. Cain, no. You're not too far gone. Come back. 
Can you imagine that? Like while you're tempted with a sin, God just pops in. <laughs> but a lot of times we have, we have that inner battle within us. We have the part of us that knows the scripture, that knows, and if we don't know it yet, we're getting there, but we know it, that, that inner turmoil. But Cain thinks, I'm too far gone. But God says, no, you have a choice. And then Cain commits the murder, kills his brother. Um, he does something interesting too. Remember when Adam and Eve were confronted by God after their sin? Uh, they're hiding, right? And then uh, when God calls them on it, what's Adam do first? He blames Eve. And then what's Eve do? She blames the serpent. But they're all kind of sheepish, but they all kind of, we kind of can see one response to sin. And uh, Cain is, is way worse. This is a bold-faced lie. I love that God, too, omnipotent God, is like, hey, where's Abel? It's like, he doesn't say, why'd you, I told you not to do it. Why didn't you, why'd you kill him? I saw, I'm God, remember? He doesn't do that. He wants to draw out his heart. And a lot of times when we study the Bible with people, we can think it's just about data exchange. You just learn this or learn that. Really studying the Bible with somebody is drawing out their heart. And the more you study the Bible with somebody, the more the scriptures help show someone's heart. And God's trying to draw out Cain's heart. Where is your brother, Abel? As if he didn't know who Abel was. There's like eight people on the planet, you know. (laughs) Where is your brother, Abel? Right? He's trying to, your brother. Cain says, I don't know. You ever told a bold-faced lie about something you know you did? Just bold. And sometimes you're like, did I just, that was a flat-out lie 10 seconds ago. Sometimes we catch ourselves. Sometimes we're just so used to it. We just get in the language of lying. A bold-faced lie about something we know we did. And then he goes, am I my brother's keeper? Is this my job somehow? I mean, it gives us an indicator of where Cain's heart is. It's not just, this is not just one incident. This had been stewing for a while. And uh, Cain had this thought that, you know what? Acts won't have any consequences. I'll just murder him out here. No one will know. I want to get back to the original question. Why was, why was Cain's sacrifice not accepted? You can look for little signs and clues, but what it seems in verse four, um, let's see. Yeah, in verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought some, some offering. Abel also bought, brought an offering. Uh, and then it says, the Lord looked with favor on what? Abel. The Lord looked with favor on the person first, then the offering. So it wasn't about the offering. Now, the offering is a reflection of our hearts, but we know that the Lord God does not look at the outward appearances. He looks at the heart. And so there was something in Cain's heart that was, that was stewing, that was disqualifying him. And yeah, Abel did bring, it says, his, his first fruits. Abel brought his best. Perhaps Cain did not. But God is not so concerned with the outward. He's concerned with what's going on in here. And for all of us this morning, as we sit in these chairs, we, all we usually think is the outward stuff. It's easy. Outward stuff's easy. The stuff in here is hard. It's easy to get somebody to intellectually agree to a doctrine. It's difficult to deal with the evil in our hearts. 
the struggle, the reality of even when we confess, maybe it's still just like, it's still even still half truth or we're still lying, but we just haven't snapped out of it yet. I mean, that's a reality for all of us. We are all Cain. We are all Cain. We all have that going on, the, 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 the dialogue, the back and forth, the struggle. You know, Cain's not too far gone. A couple other excuses that we can tell ourselves uh, is that I'm too far gone. It's too late. Uh, he deserves it. I'm sure at that point he just thought, well, this guy deserves it so I can, I can treat him the way I want. Um, you know, uh, perhaps it's no one will understand. Perhaps it's just I'm not good. I'm just not a good person. But I love that God keeps intervening to kind of try to bring him back. Bring, come on, Cain, come on back. To the point where he murders his own brother. God looks at the man first, the offering second. It was Cain's heart that was the problem. He was offering sacrifices, but not dealing with his heart. You ever offer a sacrifice and not deal with your heart? You ever not get in there and, and it's ugly when you get in there. Just recently, last week, I, um, I just, I really appreciate the, the brothers here in the, in the Blue Ridge Church. And one of the cool things recently is I found that uh, for the most part, no matter who I sit down with, which brother, I, I'm able to, to very, be very honest. I think in the past, I felt insecure. Like, oh, I'm the church leader. What if I share something about an embarrassing sin? And they think, oh, he's some fake, some fraud. Uh, let's kick him out. Let's fire him. Let's, he's a loser. Right? And that's, that's real. So I would like that. I'm good. I'm good. Sometimes I struggle with things, but I'm good. I, even I was becoming Cain. And what that does is it isolates you and it makes the sin worse and it festers and the lies get deeper, the lies get longer. And now you're years within lies and you can't pull your sins your whole life. And I was sitting down with a brother the other day and, uh, and I just shared some things. And then he was, he was direct. He, he confronted me on it. And at first, you know what I felt? I was so grateful. No, I didn't feel grateful. <laughs> I was defensive. I thought, that's why I don't tell people. They just try to tell me what to do. That's my first feeling. And I thought, he doesn't understand. I went through the whole thing. I went through all the cane stuff. I went through all of it. Then about half an hour later, I was just filled with this deep gratitude. I was like, Drew, what are you doing? The fact he had the guts to say that. He had the guts to help. And it wasn't harsh. It wasn't out of line. It was, it was true. It was real. It was not over the line. I, it was right. And I, it was good that he said it. And I'm grateful he said it. And I feel like the, in the days after, the struggles that I shared actually weren't there. I felt like, man, it's different now. But when you, I'm so grateful for this church because I know we're not perfect. I know we've got lots of issues. But I love that we run to each other. And let's not give up ever running to each other and saying, hey, bro, where's your brother Abel? Let's not be afraid to ask each other, where's your brother Abel? We may know, though. We may know the answer. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But let's not be afraid. God still didn't give up on Cain. God never gave up on Cain. And then even when Cain is still being a jerk, I mean, his response is awful at the end. He says, it's not my fault. He blames God. He says, God, is not my responsibility. It's your responsibility. I'm not my brother's keeper. Then God gives him a punishment because let's be real, sin has consequences. And God's merciful, but sin does have consequences. I still pay for some of mine. All of us are going to pay for decisions we're making now or we made back then. God's like, that's the way it goes. That's fair. That's real. That's law. That's the way it goes. But here's the thing. is Cain is angry and and insecure about the exact thing that he just did. He goes, "If if, if you banish me, Someone might kill me. Right. Wow. Dude, you just killed somebody else. <laughs> and then he goes, who else is in the world? We, it, it seems like 
Adam and Eve had other kids. They're just not named. So and in, the, in the Bible, we have what's called the Avenger of Blood. If you're um, in the Old Testament, praise God, is the Avenger of Blood. And if you, someone kills your brother, you have a right to then go avenge that blood. The blood cries out from the ground. You can go get revenge. So who would be the one avenging Abel? His brother. So Cain is afraid that his brothers might kill him after he just killed his brother. I mean, sin, it, it warps us to the point where Cain, if he had a godly sorrow, if he had a humble heart, if he saw what really was happening, he'd go, that's fair. That's what I did. I deserve it. But we do the same thing, right? We sin. Then we go, it's not fair. I mean, I just was, I did one thing. Ah, shucks, I did one thing. It's not that bad. Just a little bit of addiction, just a little bit of anger. I just, I, I only hit her once. Could have been a lot worse. It's not fair. Ah, right, we're, we're Cain. We all have a decision, though. We're not too far gone. But what does God do? God doesn't say, yes, avenger of blood. I am the God of the Old Testament. You're all right. You're millennial preachers. You're, 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 you're you know, 21st century professors about the Old Testament God being different than the New Testament God. They're all right. So God's just going to kill him because that's what the Old Testament God does, right? No, God actually says, I'm going to protect you. God says, your sin has consequences, young man. I can't stop that because I'm a God of fairness, but I'm still going to protect you. Even, when, even in all of this, God is still protecting him. He's still setting him up for success. God is still running to you after every time you choose not to do right. Every time you choose evil over good, God is not giving up on you. And then we think, oh, it's going to be better. His family is going to be way better, I bet. Even after God goes and runs to be merciful, we see that Cain's family is a stinking mess. This guy Lamech is a hundred times worse. Lamech decides to take two wives. That is not God's law. Lamech decides to accumulate two wives for himself because guess what? He's going to decide what's good and what's evil, not God. My culture will decide what's good and what's evil, not God. So I'm going to take two wives. You know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to brag about how I don't need God. There was one man who pushed me one time. I killed him. Another guy tried to hurt my house. I killed him too. If Cain is avenged seven times, mess with Lamech, you'll be messed up 77 times worse than that. I mean, this guy's bragging about violence, bragging about sexual immorality, bragging about hurting people. This is the seventh generation of Cain. And then we all go, this is a bummer. This is discouraging. I thought it's literally taken three chapters from the creation of, the, of perfection in the Eden for everything to just be done for the... Destruction of the world. That was quick. Yeah. I feel that way sometimes. Yeah. Monday morning, I'm struggling with anger. Yeah. And I had church yesterday. <laughs> that was quick. I'm already going back to that sin. That was quick. I'm already back. I thought I was, I thought I was done with that. I thought I was over that. Still a struggle for us. Yeah. But the scripture is always hopeful. It ends with, Adam made love to his wife. She gave birth to another son named Seth. And it says at that time, number 70, right? At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Don't give up. That's what he's telling us. Number 70. It's the 70th time the word God's used. Don't give up, reader. Keep reading. People are still going to keep choosing evil, but God's going to keep running after them. You know, we talked earlier about being chosen. When you choose somebody because of their merit, 
that is encouraging enough. They've proved they're a good friend. They like the same things you like, right? You know, Pierre finds a Seattle Seahawks fan. It's like instant, right? I mean, just like, I don't even need to know anything else about you. We're automatic, it's instant friends, right? But when you choose somebody who continually hurts you, who continually puts you down, you know how hard it is to forgive somebody who's put me down? It's like weeks of prayer. And like, well, he backstabbed me and he's a, he doesn't, and how could he, and I, my superiority, my pride, it's so much struggle, but the, the beautiful thing, we're going to sing a song uh, in a few minutes when we're done, and we're going to sing a song about how Abel's blood cried for vengeance. Uh, I want to read that part of the, uh, of the, the hymn we're going to sing to close out here in a few minutes. It says, glory be to Jesus, who in bitter pains poured for me the lifeblood from his sacred veins. Grace and life eternal in that blood I find, blessed be his compassion, infinitely kind. Blessed through endless ages be the precious stream which from endless torments did the world redeem. Abel's blood for vengeance pleaded to the skies, but the blood of Jesus for our pardon cries. And what's beautiful about Abel is Abel did not deserve to die. He was innocent. He was simply just a victim. Uh, he had no lines he didn't, we don't have anything on him. He's almost barely there. But instead of his blood crying out for vengeance, instead of God following each one of us around and making us pay for our sins, he realizes there's going to be consequences. But he actually, instead of trying to find vengeance, he gave us a different kind of blood. He gave us the blood of Christ. And every time we struggle with these decisions, even Paul in the New Testament saw that this was very real for him. In Romans 7, Paul says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God, God's law, but I see that the law of sin is also at work within me. I thought Paul like, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and was like this super spiritual discipleship mega, but he's like, no, but even me, like, I do want to do good, but evil's right there. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body? that is subject to death. And if we ended the sermon there, you would be eternally bummed out. But he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is struggling. He's like, I want to do good, but then evil's right there. And even when I want to really do good, sometimes the evil, I'm ashamed of it. And I'm just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like, I think I've grown. I've been a Christian for 20 years, but I'm still struggling with quiet times. I'm still struggling with purity. Sometimes I can still be really petty. Maybe I'm not really a Christian. Maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I should should just give up. Maybe Jesus isn't the answer. And then he goes, no, get all that out of here. Kick that serpent to the curb. Thanks be to Christ Jesus, because we all need a rescuer. You cannot do it of your own accord. If Cain had just said, yes, God, I am feeling angry. Please help. Or I am struggling or you're not fair. If he would have said anything to God, God, you're not fair. Just engage God at some level. The trick is not for all of us to be our own savior, but the trick, the trick is to see Jesus as our rescuer. We have to go to Jesus. And the last, my last point is to decide to de- uh, depend. I got a compass rose there. First, we got to decide to decide, basically, realize you have a choice in everything. First uh, Corinthians 10, 12 says, no one is temp- tempted beyond what they can bear, but God always provides a way out. 
That's a great memory verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. God always provides a way out. There was always a way out for Cain. God's not going to tempt you more than you can bear. But we got to decide not to go be strong, not to go, don't do evil, guys. See good and choose good. Now go and do it. We all would like maybe be really good till it's like the foyer. And then like it was just game over at that point. We would all struggle on the way home. A kid like the Sawyers like would, would turn white, you know, and then you're just it's game over. Right. It's like all that stuff I learned at church is out the window because we got DEFCON 5 here. We got all these things going on. But the trick is and, and, and Keegan had shared it. Right. It wasn't like the trick was the, the peace was to go fix it. The peace was, peace was to connect, was to empathize and talk about a person. You ever gone through a difficult time in your life and somebody says, oh, that's hard. I'm really sorry for you. I'm sorry for that. And a part of you goes, thanks. But it, it's not like if someone goes, I went through the exact same thing last year. Yeah, we were also going through that. My husband also did the same thing. We were also trying to get pregnant. We also had a miscarriage. We also had that with our son. You instantly go, oh, yes, I know. And did they say this? And did this happen? And did that also happen? Because we felt the same thing. It's like a totally different. When someone goes through what you've gone through, it's an instant connection. You can go to them without being afraid because they understand what it's like. We can always go to Jesus. The passage was read earlier, once again, that we can always approach Jesus. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Amen to that. What's so better about Jesus's blood? First John one, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. We don't have to worry about God's enacting revenge. All we have to do is choose to depend on Jesus. And what does that really mean? It means walking in the light. It means having fellowship with one another. What, when, I, when I shared that story about me last week, what was it that changed my week? Was it that I went to God and confessed? No. That is important, but it was that a brother with the Holy Spirit was a disciple. Challenged me. We need to have fellowship with one another. We got to have that relationship. We got to have the relationship to be able to come together and talk, not about how we can all do better, but talk about how incredible Jesus's blood is. And to all point each other back to the one person who has chosen you despite your continual choosing of evil. He's chosen you. So the question is, is if he's chosen you, if he's chosen to love you no matter what, why have you chosen not to love him? If he's chosen to accept you no matter what, why do you continually give your leftovers like Cain did? You continually give whatever leftover time you have every week to him. But don't for a second go down that path of behavior, cognitive therapy of, I bet I got to start giving more time to God. No, change your heart. If you go after being more grateful, your time will change. Your, everything around us will change if you actually go after the heart. Don't forget that it's all about the heart. I want to encourage all, you church, all of us church together. Let's not give up on each other. Uh, let's, remind, let's remember that we have a choice, that we're never too far gone, that it's never about us. It's simply about, uh, simply about depending on Jesus because Seth there is mentioned and... Uh, all of us who know the whole story of the Bible, we read that last verse and we have a little hope. We go, Seth, okay, there's hope. Why? Because God, even though Satan seems like he's won, God is never, ever going to lose. 
God will always triumph. And God, through Seth, will be able to bring about Jesus Christ, who will finally destroy the serpent. He will crush the serpent, just like it says in Genesis 2. And that God, throughout the whole Bible, despite our jacked up lives, God will always out, no matter what the world says, no matter what the government does, no matter what our friends do, no matter what your spouse does or what your kids do or what the Satan inside of you says, God will triumph. Yeah. And that is an encouraging thought. Yeah. That line will, will crush the serpent. And as we sing this final song, let's bask in that truth that God will always out and let us never give up on God or one another.